you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, uh, we're going to pick up uh, on in verse 5. I believe last week we, we left off on verse uh, after verse 6, but we're going to go backwards just a little bit and pick up verse 5 and read to verse 9 this morning. So Psalm 37. You know, years ago there was a, a little boy who wanted $100 and he wanted it so badly that for two weeks he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and nothing ever happened. So he decided that maybe God wasn't hearing his prayer and so he decided that he was going to write a handwritten letter to God requesting that $100. Well, somehow the postal authorities got wind of kind of what the boy was up to. They didn't know where to send the letter, uh, so they thought it would be funny to send it to the President of the United States. The President read the letter, and uh, he was impressed by it, touched by it, amused, and so he instructed his secretary to uh, send the little boy a $5 bill, and he signed it, and so he thought the little boy would... Uh, uh, would be really pleased with that. And $5 to a little boy, of course, is a lot of money. So the little boy got the, the $5 and he was delighted. And so he sat down to write a thank you note to the Lord. Uh, and the thank you note said, went something like this. He said, dear Lord, he said, thank you very much for sending me the money. However, I noticed for some reason you had to send it through Washington, D.C., and as usual, they deducted $95. <laughs> so, you, you know, you, you never know what you're going to get, right? Uh, you know, listen, 2020 is at it again, isn't it? It keeps on giving us things that we never would have considered just a few months ago. I'm sure that many of you have heard about the recent coin shortage in the United States. Many businesses around the world or around the nation, uh, excuse me, around our nation are asking you to pay either with your cards uh, electronically or to have exact change because there is such a coin shortage. In fact, many banks are buying coins from Americans. They're paying 5% interest on it. So if you've got a jar, a piggy bank somewhere, this might be the time to go ahead and cash it in and uh, see what you can get for it, okay? But some of you might remember uh, back in the 80s, there was, a, uh, there was a decision to issue gold coins. So they issued gold coins beginning in 1986, and, and these coins hit the market. They were called American Eagle coins, and they came in certain sizes, and each size uh, had a different amount of actual gold. They were made of actual 22 karat gold, and buyers around the world to this day, in fact, uh, will buy these coins. Now they're a collector's item, but, uh, but even in, in the mid-'80s, People were buying up these coins because they trusted the United States government when the government said that they had real gold in the coin. They trusted the promises of the government. And folks, when we read Holy Scripture, when we go to the Bible and we read the words from the Bible, we are reminded this morning that there's something much more reliable than a guarantee of government when we read Holy Scripture, but we have a promise of Almighty God that His Word is perfect and His Word is pure. You see, God promised to preserve His Word for us. 
And that means that according to the promise of God, we can have complete faith that every word in the Bible is infallible. It has a purpose from God and you and I can trust it. We can trust the word of God, friends, because we can trust the almighty God, the perfectly righteous, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God that wrote the Bible and has delivered it to us. We can trust in him. And with that in mind, this week we're going to be back again in Psalm 37 and we're going to explore what David means when he says in verse 5, trust in him. Psalm 37, starting in verse 5, we're going to read down to verse 9. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Make your he will making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the man who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. For evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the promise and the wisdom that we see in your word before us in Psalm 37. God, help us to understand this morning what it means and what it looks like to trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you remember from last week, we began talking about Psalm 37. Psalm 37 is, is written by a very old and wise King David. Uh, psalm 37 is considered to be a psalm of wisdom because we find godly wisdom throughout Psalm 37. It proclaims godly wisdom and it teaches us about the providence of God. It teaches us about the penalty of evil. It teaches us about how God blesses and brings blessing upon those who are faithful. And in verse 5, we see an amazing summary statement. And this statement in verse 5 is definitely a summary statement of this passage of verses 5 through 9. And it's one of the theme statements, I would even say, in Psalm 37 as a whole. We see this amazing summary statement, verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. See, the language that David is using here in the Hebrew that, that's translated in the Holman is commit your way to the Lord. The literal translation, the, 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 the literal translation, the word commit is to roll. It's saying roll your way, roll your life, put all your burdens on to the Lord. It says roll your, your life on to the Lord. It means to turn over everything. To God, your needs, your wants, your problems, your successes, your joys, your anxieties, everything. We are to turn it all over to God. Let Him worry about it. Now, it's not that you and I will never be concerned about anything, 
but you understand the difference in concern and the kind of paralyzing worry and fret that we that can uh, we can find ourselves consumed with from time to time. So how is it that, that you and I can turn everything over to God? How do we do that? Well, the first thing we see here in Psalm 37 is that you and I need to be willing to wait on God. First part of verse 7, be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for Him. Friends, part of learning to trust God is learning to wait on Him, which is easier said than done, isn't it? I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but many times it's hard enough to do the right thing because it goes, it's so counterintuitive to, uh, to the flesh that we live in today. And it's difficult without the power of the Holy Spirit. Really, we can't even really do it on our own. But it's tough enough to be able to do the right thing. But it's even more difficult when the right thing involves waiting. How can a person wait on God? I mean, how do you know if you should wait and when you should move forward with urgency, how do you know the difference? Well, friends, what, how you know is, is you got to learn to wait on God when you learn to walk with God. You, work, you learn to walk at His pace. And you walk at His pace when you pay attention to how He walks. You, you, you seek to see things as He sees them. You seek to obey the instructions that He gives to you. You know, we're with the boys uh, out in a shopping center somewhere in a busy parking lot. Sometimes we have to tell our kids, you know, watch out for the car. Or be careful when you open the car door so that you don't hit the car next to us. You know, we're, we're teaching them how to tell whether or not it's safe to walk across the street. We're teaching them how to look before they open that door. You know, we don't want them just to slam a door open and, and put a dent in another car. Uh, we're trying to teach them how to, how to watch for cars and, and how sometimes, uh, sometimes whenever you come to a crossing, there might be a car coming and you need to stop and wait for them to pass by. But other times as you, as you get to that crossing, that car will slow down and wave you across to let you know they're going to wait for you. And, and so we're trying to teach them how to understand the difference of that and how when someone waves you across, you, you know, it's the courteous thing for you not to lollygag and take your time, but for you to get on across because we want to be courteous of their time and their generosity by, by letting us go across. You know, those are things that, that they learn from instructions, but those are also things that they learn by walking and with us and watching us and intimidating, imitating our actions. Trusting God means waiting on Him, waiting on His instructions. Where do you get His instructions? Through His Word. Where can you see and understand how God walks in His Word? Where can you hear Him speak in His Word? When we read His Word, we speak His Word, we sing His Word, we pray His Word, and we seek to live His Word. These are the means by which God teaches us, instructs us, and leads us. A lot of people looking around the world today and thinking, what in the world is going on. I mean, it's hard to know 
what to even believe in the world uh, that we live in today. With the COVID pandemic, we're hearing so much conflicting information, aren't we? It's hard to know what to believe. One, one day, it's all about the masks. Everybody better wear, wear a mask. Two weeks later, it's, oh, the masks don't help very much. A month later, oh, no, 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 it's the masks again. It's all about the masks. And, you know, some say you got to wear the masks. Others say, well, if, uh, if there's some mandate that says that I have to wear a mask, that violates my constitutional rights. And it's very possible that both sides are correct or that both sides have a point. I know many of you have probably heard that there's a state mandate that requires us to wear masks in public here in Arkansas beginning tomorrow. So whether we like it or not, it's something we're going to have to deal with at least, at least temporarily, hopefully just temporarily. But I'm reminded as believers, you and I have to learn to wait on God. Even when we have to wait in a tough spot. You see, the, the world that we're living in today is a tough place to be if you're a person who holds to biblical values and biblical morality. It's a tough spot today for many Bible-believing believers. Millions and millions of dollars are being funneled into secular organizations whose stated purposes involve advocating and transmitting values that stand in direct contention with the Word of God. Propaganda of the day in which we are living is terrifying, folks. We need to be concerned, but hear me on this. You and I need to be careful uh, to make sure that whatever our response is to these things, that that response is led by God. We need to wait on God and be led by Him. Verse 7 says, Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for Him. Be silent, David says. Some translations say, rest in the Lord. I think that might be, um, uh, be silent is, more, uh, is a little bit more of, a, of an accurate translation. But I think that, uh, that, that the, the, the term be silent here is, is, not, is not meant to be a literal translation in that you and I are to never say anything at the injustices in the world or that we're never supposed to say anything about anything that concerns us. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for Him is the idea that you and I will trust God enough that we're not going to bicker at God and we're not going to we're not going to uh, uh, we're not going to complain at God the way that the Israelites did in the desert. You remember whenever God liberated them from Egypt, they were slaves uh, under the hand of Pharaoh. God liberated them, got them out of the bondage of Egypt, only to get to the desert. And then what did they do? They whined and complained. Oh, how could you have led us? To? We would rather die. We should have stayed in Egypt. You know, they were, they were whining and complaining. And of course they were worried, they were concerned, but that, they let them, uh, that overwhelmed them to the, to the point where they were not really trusting in God. It means that, that, that we are trusting in the word of truth. When it says, wait expectantly for Him, we rest in the trust and the faith that God is in control. It means we're 
we're, we're trusting and resting in the truth of His Word, the, 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 the abiding love of God, and we're learning to be at peace with His timing. It means not throwing your hands up in the air and giving up because things are too tough. Instead, it means holding tight to the promises of God. Think about promises like Romans 8, 28. And Paul says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. I've, heard, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, I don't know what the world's going to look like in 2021. I don't know uh, what, what will be the effects of all the things that we've seen of, in 2020. But one thing I do know is that 2020 has not changed the fact that God is still in control. It has not changed the promises of God. It has not changed the promise that God is working all things, all things, all things to the good of who? Not everyone, but to the good of those who love the Lord. And friends, that brings up this question right here in the middle of 2020 friends do you love the lord do you love him now if i asked you if you loved him most of you would say yes i love him but deep in your heart gut level honest just between you and god here this morning do you love god because if you do friend you need to wait on him trust him you need to trust him by by waiting on him, number two, we trust him when we avoid anger. We avoid anger. Look at verse 8. David says, refrain from anger and give up your rage. He says, do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. In Psalm 37, David is helping us to come to grips with the reality that things don't always go our way. And for some reason... For some reason, friends, the world just doesn't revolve around you and me. I mean, it doesn't revolve around what is pleasing to us. We have to come to grips with, with the reality that things happen in this world that are going to upset us. And many times, those things in this world should upset us. But we have to avoid letting ourselves become angry. Benjamin Franklin once said, whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. <laughs> that sounds a lot like something King David's son, King Solomon, would write down in Proverbs 14, 17, when he said, a quick-tempered man acts foolishly. Whatever is begun, is begun in anger ends in shame, and a quick-tempered man acts foolishly. See, I think... Benjamin Franklin understood this truth that we find in the Word of God. Jesus' uh, Jesus' brother James gives us a glimpse of what that means in James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, when he says, My dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. You see, anger causes us to do things and to say things that are irrational. Anger clouds our thinking. It deceives us into wanting to justify some sinful action. Many times, friends, listen. 
when we get angry many times, the things that we say and we do when we are angry are just as bad as the things that we find ourselves angry about. See, that's why James says that man's anger will not accomplish the will of God. That's why David says, don't be agitated. Let go of your anger. It does not bring any good. It can only bring harm. And so we see that you and I need to strive to refrain, refrain from anger. Listen, when I look around at the world uh, that we live in today and I think about what's this world going to be like in 10 or 20 years when my children are adults and they're maybe raising children of their own and I think about the world that my grandchildren may grow up in. Friends, listen, I'm terrified. I mean, you know, the way that the world has been going lately, I mean, without some sort of change, I mean, I can't even imagine, I can't even fathom how depraved, how much more depraved this world will be in those days. My heart breaks for that. I'm de- I'm, listen, I'm deeply saddened, just like many of you are, by the way our culture so flippantly disregards the authority and wisdom of the Word of God. And I long for a day of revival in this land. I long for another great awakening in this land. Land. I'm concerned about popular political and secular ideology, some of which are birthed from, from, from the premise that there is no God. That concerns me, friends. Because here's the deal. If they, can, if they can get you to buy into the idea that there is no universally true, all-powerful, perfectly righteous and redeeming God... They can get you to buy into the idea that you are not created by God, you are not loved by God, and there is no God to set any standard. Then the standard is set by whoever happens to be in power at that moment. And many of them will promise a utopia, and the utopia they promise you might be a utopia for them for a while, but it's going to be a nightmare for everybody else. Yes, I'm concerned. And I hope we don't ever get there. I pray that that never happens. And yes, I'm concerned, but friends, I choose to trust in God because I believe that even in the chaos, He is still in control. And I choose to wait on God. I choose to avoid anger about such things. Folks, we need to be careful Not to get so discouraged about others who are unwilling to change that you miss out on what God is doing to change you. Be careful not to get so discouraged. I I, I hear many believers in the world today, and this is just in the media, this is just in pop culture in, in general, and many of them are discouraged, many of them are angry, many of them are confused, but we need to be careful as believers in Christ not to be so discouraged by the things that we see in our world today that we miss out on what God is trying to do in our lives personally I don't know why God is allowing some of these things to go on but I do know that he's still in control and not only is he still in control friends but God is still at work 
The Holy Spirit of God is still convicting hearts. The gospel of Jesus is still the good news. And people are still giving their hearts to Christ. Amen. Praise God for that. God's still changing hearts. He's still guiding those who are seeking to walk by the light of His Word. He's still bringing peace and fulfillment to the heart of those who trust in Him. Christian recording artist Adam Kappa once said, Trust in God's timing. It's better to wait a while and have things fall into place than to rush and have things fall apart. Trust in God's timing. Better for things to fall in place in God's timing than for you to force things and have things fall apart. I think that's what King David's getting at when he says that those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. It reminds me of the people of Israel we just talked about a moment ago who had to trust God's leadership and they had to wait on God and they had to avoid fear and and anger and, and, and not allow that to distract them. At times it did and when it did they would veer off course but when they were trusting in God, when they were trusting in God's plan, when they were following His leadership, it was then that He eventually ushers them into the promised land. It could also be when David says that uh, those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. It could also be a callback in in what David is saying, a callback to what God has already done in his life. You remember David was, was pursued by King Saul, who out of anger and jealousy was seeking to have David assassinated. Not because David did anything wrong, it's because he did everything right. He was doing the right things. He was was serving his king. He was honoring his God. And yet King Saul got jealous, decided to have David assassinated. And so David had to wait on God. He had to avoid letting anger and frustration cloud his thinking. He had an opportunity to kill Saul, but he he knew that that wasn't what the Lord wanted him to do, and so he refrained from that. And eventually, according to God's perfect timing, Saul's life did come to an end, and David was anointed king at the right time. So David understands, as he writes Psalm 37, he understands all that he himself may have missed out on if he, he would have become overwhelmed with the unfairness of all the things that he was going through earlier in his life. Friends, God is in control even, even when, even when uh, we find ourselves in a tough spot. You and I need to choose to avoid anger. And also... The last thing I want to encourage you is to watch Him work. Watch God at work. It was God's power that led Israel into the promised land. It was God's power that protected David and led David and eventually uh, allowed David to be anointed as 
king. It was God's power that gave David the victories that he had. Now we know that David was not a perfect man. We know that there were times in his life when he turned from from the leadership of God. And if you read that, and if you understand that, you understand that that put his life so far off track in in the way that he handled himself uh, whenever he was in this this relationship with Bathsheba. uh, It was uh, was horrible, okay? It caused him a, a a lot of problems in the kingdom, it, it, it caused for one of his men, one of his faithful soldiers to die unnecessarily. There were some really horrible things that happened in those days. But when David would trust in God, when David was submitted to God, God worked in David's life, God worked in power. And I think when we talk about that summary statement in verse 5 in Psalm 37, where it says, Commit your way to the Lord and He will act. Commit your way, learn to wait on God. Commit your way to the Lord. Avoid anger and He will will act. Watch him work. You know, there's, uh, there's an animal that some of you, if you've ever been to, uh, been to a zoo, there's an animal that's pretty common in many zoos called the African impala. The African impala is this antelope type of an antelope animal. It's about the size of a deer. It looks a lot like a deer. But the African impala can jump to a height of over 10 feet and cover a distance of more than 30 feet. Okay? 10 feet up, 30 feet that way. All right? That's a very strong animal. They have great strength. But listen, they will not jump if they cannot see where their feet are going to land. Think about this, they can jump really high and really far, but they will not jump. They cannot see where their feet will land. And because of that, you will often see them in zoos, limited to living behind a three-foot wall. That's all it takes is a three-foot wall to keep them in place. Is it because they can't jump over it? No. Is it because they can't jump past it? No. It's because they can't see where their feet are going to land, and so they will not even try. Listen, friends, people are often limited by the fear of not knowing where they will land. And that fear will entrap us. But trusting in God Listen, trusting in God is leaping in God's direction and believing and trusting that wherever our feet land will be right where we are supposed to be. That's what it means to trust God. And the question for you this morning is, do you trust Him? Friends, it starts with one question. The first question is this, do you trust God? that the death and resurrection of Jesus was enough to forgive your sins. 
Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because friends, trusting God for anything else is pointless if you've never trusted in Jesus. Do you believe that salvation is, is found by faith alone and Christ alone? Do you believe it enough that, that you've repented of your sins and committed your heart to Christ? Because that's where it starts. That's the first, that, that is the first place where you and I trust in Christ. If you don't believe that Jesus died for your sins, then trusting God for anything else is not going to get you very far. Do you trust in Christ? Have you trusted in Him as your Savior, number one? And number two, if you're a believer in Christ here this morning, if you're saying, hey, I've trusted in Jesus. Thank you, God. God has saved me. Praise God for that. Listen, for you, the question is, uh, do you believe that Jesus was, was done with you at the cross? Uh, were you done? Was that the only time that you've ever trusted God for anything is when you came to the cross when you confessed Him as your Lord and Savior. Because here's the deal, friends. Uh, that's where our life begins. It begins at the cross. And as a result of what has happened at the cross, you and I, you and I are to trust Him with our everyday life. It's not just, hey, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Amen, I'm good. But if you really believe that, if you've really trusted in God, and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you so that you can trust Him with your everyday life. Trusting that, that, that God will do like Paul told the Philippians when he said that, he, that God's going to finish the good work that He started in your life when you were first saved. That's the work of Christ in your heart. Are you trusting that the Holy Spirit of God is it's going to lead you in your life to deepen your faith. Do you trust God to carry out the ongoing work of sanctification that conforms you to be more and more like Christ? Do you believe that God means what He says in His Word? Do you believe that uh, that it is God who is working in you and in us. And it is, that, that, that God is, uh, it is God that gives you the, the desire that you believe that it is the Holy Spirit of God that is at work in your heart that gives you the power to do that which He has told you to do. Is your way committed to the Lord? Have you rolled it all over onto Him? Do you believe that He will carry out all that He has promised to do in your life? And if not, then maybe today would be a great day to start. Let's pray.